Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. We have the, um, I've been watching the, um, uh, the hearing that's been going on, the impeachment inquiry hearing into President Biden. Uh, and uh, we have a number of uh, witnesses. I believe this is, though, going to be Byron Donalds. Uh, he's a uh, congressman out of Florida. And the, um, the person that he is interviewing here, yeah, we'll just do that during the break. Uh, the person that he's going to be interviewing or asking questions of, I should say, is uh, one of the witnesses that the Republicans have brought in. His name is... Uh, Bruce Dubinsky. He is a forensic accountant. He is the Justice Department Tax Division's former Assistant Attorney General Eileen O'Connor. Uh, I'm sorry. No, he is. No, he's a forensic accountant. Uh, and then you've got uh, Eileen O'Connor, and you've got uh, Jonathan Turley. And uh, Dubinsky, the forensic accountant, is going to be asked here uh, by Byron Donalds, what exactly are they looking at when it comes to the structure of the businesses that Hunter Biden uh, and his partners have created and what that looks like? So go ahead and uh, play the audio there, Bernie. Lee, a lot of talk about evidence. On the screens in the room, we have an organizational chart from the IRS investigative team that was looking into the business practices of Hunter Biden and his associates. This org chart is from 2014. Now, Mr. Dubinsky, when my former life, I was in community banking, and I'm, com- I'm comfortable with looking at organizational charts. When I first saw this chart, the first thing I thought about was a real estate holding company or a developer, and this is not to demean developers in the great east state of America, but developers typically have multiple companies that float with various business interests and business lines. But the funny thing is that in the business dealings of Hunter Biden, there is no real estate, none at all. So, Mr. Dubinsky, in your professional experience, looking at this organizational chart of business structure, what do you see here? I see a very complicated structure of entities uh, that are interrelated and would give me concern. If I were an investigator, I would want to know what's going on in these entities, who's behind them, how's, how's the money moving between them, and what is the substance of the transactions? What's really going on here? Mr. Dubinsky, do you think it's in the, in the interest of this committee that is now in an inquiry phase to actually find out all of the... Uh, flow of money between these entities and what the purpose was? Absolutely. Uh, Next slide, please. For my colleagues on the other side, we're going to start talking evidence now. This is now a slide of the organizational chart of the Hunter Biden business business, uh, companies and and with associates from 2018, from the same IRS investigators who were broke down the business structure in 2014. Does this slide cause you the same concern, Mr. Dubinsky? Yes, it does. Okay. Now, let's talk about some more. Actually, one point I want to make on this, ladies and gentlemen, if, and I know it's kind of small, so I would love to submit, I will submit all this for the record. I would love my colleagues on the other side to see this. In 2014, one of the key owners was Devin Archer, who did testify and who did, was, uh, uh, was under deposition under oath by the oversight committee. In 2018, Devin Archer is no longer listed. 
but his wife, Krista Archer, is now listed. Mr. Dubinsky, when you see a situation where ownership interest moves from one spouse to the other, is that a concern of some level of fraud potentially? I, I would call it a red flag. That's something I would look at and, and, again, try to get to the bottom of what happened there. Was it just transferred? Was there money behind it? What was going on? Okay, thank you. Next slide. Now, this is to a text message. This is a text message um, between, uh, it's going to Naomi Biden. That's what this one is. Hold on, wait, so let me get my stuff back. Here we go. Sorry. This is the WhatsApp text message between Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. In this text message, it clearly says, anyway, we can talk later, but you've been drawn into something purely for the purpose of protecting dad. This is between Hunter Biden and Jim Biden. Last time I checked, the father of Jim Biden and Joe Biden is now passed away. So I'm assuming this is Hunter Biden saying to Jim Biden, the president's brother, that you've been brought in this for the sole purpose of protecting dad. Miss O'Connor, do you think that this text message would lead this committee to get further information about the business dealings of Hunter Biden and how that actually links to Jim Biden, the president's brother, and why they are so concerned with protecting Dad, a.k.a. Joe Biden, a.k.a. the President of the United States? Yes. Thank you. Next slide, please. This is a text message between um, Hunter Biden and Naomi Biden. And this one is a famous one. Everybody knows this one. This is a famous one that says, I hope you all do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard. But don't worry, unlike Pop, I won't, make you, I won't make you give me half your salary. Mr. Dubinsky, if you saw a text message like this in a potential money laundering operation or a potential pay-for-play operation, would you be looking for information related to money going from son to father? Absolutely, without a doubt. Thank you. Next slide. Oh, this is a fun one. Ladies and gentlemen, this one is from 2018. This is about four months before Joe Biden launched his campaign for president of the United States, December 2018. The highlight is, this is a text message between Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden was in a bad way, by the way. He was, he was really strung out. He lost a bunch of money. He needed help. Jim Biden says, this can work. You need a safe harbor. I can work with your father alone. It'll probably take several months and everybody can read the text. Ms. O'Connor, Mr. Dubinsky, if you saw text messages like this between the president's brother and the president's son, wouldn't you be concerned about them trying to give plausible deniability for the president of the United States to not have any knowledge of said business dealings? It's worth Gentlemen, time's expired, but please answer the question. It's worth investigating. All right, so let's pause it right there, Bernie, and uh, we'll come back after the, uh, the break and pick up the uh, cross-exam, if you will, from a Democrat on the, uh, the impeachment inquiry hearing. This is the uh, uh, House Oversight Committee, and you can tell that Byron Donalds, I thought, did a, a very good job in making the point here that they are producing the pieces of evidence that are, quote, red flags that should inspire further, what, inquiry. They should be looking into these items, into these... Uh, uh, text messages, the, the bank accounts, the companies, the structure of the companies indicates to the forensic accountant that there is stuff to pursue there. You want to find out what the money is being used for and how it's being distributed in order to ascertain whether or not it's for illegal purposes. Democrats are not interested in pursuing this. 
I suspect it's because they know where it's going to lead because it is quite obvious what the point is. The point is, is to gain access. The question is, how much did the president know about the purpose of the business, the family business that his uh, brother was involved in, his son was involved in, uh, and apparently his... uh, Uh, business associates, wives and such, all of these different shell companies and all of these different uh, people that were uh, in control of the companies and took money out of the companies and was funding various members of the Biden family. I think they know where this is going, and that's why they don't want it to go there. All right. You may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. They got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. All right, so the uh, House Oversight Committee meeting this morning, they started at 10 a.m., and uh, have, I, I was not able to go back and get, pull audio, so I'm just kind of uh, got C-SPAN uh, pulled up back in the studio there because I'm out here at Moorhead and Mint Street uh, with the One Blood Big Red Bus, hoping that you come on down and donate some blood. I think I just convinced or maybe guilted or shamed Brett Jensen into uh, giving some of his blood to the children. I mean, think of the children, Brett. Okay. So uh, it's for Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month and uh, the uh, fourth annual Little Heroes Blood Drive that we do here at WBT. would love to have you come down. Say hi while you are here. Um, and so uh, this morning, though, at 10 a.m., they launched the inquiry. And, yes, I have a lot of audio from last night's GOP debate. We're going to get into that as well, probably in the second hour. Got tons of audio uh, from that. So if you didn't watch it, don't worry. I watched it, so you didn't have to. You're welcome. Oh, that's awesome. So now I've just been informed that the uh, internet has crashed back in the studio. And so now we don't have any audio to play from the hearing. He says he's. It's now loaded. It's. It, okay, give him a minute. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> this is why I this is why I would love to have just have, I'm going to start bringing my own board to these events and I'm just going to just run the whole thing myself. Um so uh the I got a message here from Jim. Let's see here. Jim says anecdotal evidence. Yes, my wife works on Fort Bragg. It took an hour to get through the main gate this morning. She suspects they closed other gates to funnel everybody through one and creating as much pain as possible. She told me that they've done this in previous shutdowns. You can't make people feel pain if you just tell them not to come in to work, and then they'll get paid later. Yeah, this is part of the... Thank you, Jim. I appreciate the email. This is part of the shutdown theater. Um, For folks who may not remember, one of the biggest shutdowns, uh, probably, what, 10 years ago or so, uh, where they, uh, they... They closed off with barricades. They put barricades off uh, along sidewalks. They were like the World War II memorial site, which is basically, it's just an outdoor extension of the sidewalk. 
right? You're walking down the sidewalk. You're like, let's go to the memorial. And you just kind of turn and you walk into the memorial and you can see everything. And it's the sidewalk there. Uh, And they put barricades around that so as to prevent World War II vets who had flown into D.C. They had made their, uh, what they call them, the honor flights, right, to show the the World War II vets uh, their memorial that had taken, you know, 50 years to build. And uh, all of these veterans were there ready to see their memorial and then the shutdown happens and the administration the obama administration at the time they decided no you don't get to look at the memorial and i don't know if they thought that through or not because these are guys that you know made their way across a beach while people were shooting at them and they still made it through the beach i don't know what chance they thought those little barricades were going to have spoiler alert no chance. Uh, and they got onto their uh, sidewalk around their memorial, and they got to experience their memorial, which good for them. They should have. This is the same administration when they shut down the national parks, you know, because they really want to make you feel the pain. That's the whole point. It's a pressure campaign. Um, and so the, you, they want to make the citizens feel the pain, so they will lobby their lawmakers to stop the shutdown and, and open the government back up, quote-unquote. And uh, one of the things that they did was to put up Uh, roadblocks or barricades on the side of a road out in South Dakota so people could not pull over and take pictures of Mount Rushmore right so like that's they literally blocked off the shoulder of a road not even the park itself because it's a mountain right like you can look up and see the big mountain the side of the mountain you can take pictures from way out there it's a great vantage point uh, and everybody would pull off on the side of the road on the shoulder so no 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 we can't even let you look do not look at the memorial do not gaze upon the side of that mountain that is our mountain and we are shut down so we're going to bring in some people uh, I guess we're not paying them or something, but we're going to bring in some park personnel. I guess they were essential personnel, so they were allowed to be there. So we're going to bring in some essential park personnel, maybe or maybe not getting paid, and they're going to go to work during the shutdown where nobody is working, and they're going to set up some barriers along a shoulder of a road so you can't pull over and take pictures of a mountain. They did it with Old Faithful as well. They put up, it was the most ridiculous thing, they put up these little, you know, wooden, like the sawhorse-looking uh, barriers you know and they just kind of set it up around the geyser so people couldn't take pictures of the geyser <laughs> it's just this is the level of stupidity these are the games that uh that uh, po- uh politicians and bureaucrats will play in order to make you feel the pain so you tell somebody else to open up their money spigot Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Right now, let's, uh, we've got the House Oversight Committee has launched its impeachment inquiry 
uh, now uh, into uh, Joe Bryden and uh, or sorry Biden and the uh, the Bryden family uh, Biden family sorry and uh, we heard earlier Byron Donalds uh, he started uh, questioning the forensic accountant. Bruce Dubinsky, uh, asking him, hey, look at this whole pattern of stuff and tell me what you, as a forensic accountant, what you would look at this and see. What are your assessments of this, you know, the, this uh, diagram of the shell companies and all the money moving through it and the changing of ownership and CEOs from husband to wife and such? And Dubinsky says, these are all red flags. These are things that you would have to follow up on. You'd have to just chase it down. Because if you, I mean, just looking at the information is one thing. It's just information. That's why you go when you do the interviews. Hey, there's Christy. There's my wife. She just donated some blood. Hey, Christy. Um, and uh, you've got the information, but you've got to pursue it. You've got to ask questions. You've got to bring people in. And what we found when the IRS investigators were trying to ask questions of the Bidens, uh, the Biden, sorry, um, what they what they ran into was obstruction from the DOJ that wouldn't let them talk to certain people or that gave uh, certain members of the Biden family a heads up that something was going to happen, a raid was going to happen, a search was going to, I shouldn't say raid, that's, that's reserved for Donald Trump. The, um, but, you know, uh, uh, interviews were going to be had on a, on a particular day. Obstruction. All right. This is now Representative Raja Krishnamurthy, and he is a Democrat from Illinois. Uh, and now he is going to start his interrogation of a couple of the witnesses. Go ahead and play the audio, Bernie. As Mr. Krishnamurthy, Mr. Goldman, I will give you an opportunity to quickly recognize, uh, recognize you for your point of order. I just want to uh, make sure that page 131 of the transcript of the De- Devin Archer interview is entered into the record. Without objection, so ordered. Thank you. Chair recognizes Mr. Christian Morte from Illinois for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Professor Turley, Hunter Biden's a private citizen, not a federal official, right? Yes, sir. A special counsel investigating Hunter Biden recently indicted him for various illegal acts. I'm sure you're aware of this indictment. I have it in my hands. But nowhere in Hunter Biden's indictment is there any allegation of Joe Biden having committed any wrongdoing, right? That's correct, sir. Not a parking <laughs> ticket, not a moving violation, not a library fine, not a high crime or misdemeanor. In fact, on page 19 of your witness statement that you submitted, you said, quote, the current record does not establish any crime, mm-hmm. let alone an impeachable offense. Mm-hmm. Now, let's further explore what's been established about Joe Biden. The Hill reports Senator Marco Rubio, quote, noted that House Republicans are discussing a special impeachment inquiry to obtain evidence of criminal behavior that they have not been able to dig up through the House Oversight Committee. And Rubio warned that setting up a special impeachment council without strong evidence of a crime could trivialize the process. Now, sir, Senator Rubio is a Republican, right? Yes, sir. Let's talk about whether this evidence that Mr. Rubio was referring to exists. Our colleague Ken Buck, a senior member of the Judiciary Committee, said the following regarding evidence linking President Biden to an alleged crime. Quote, that doesn't exist right now. Now, sir, Ken Buck is a Republican, correct? Yes, sir. Senator Mitt Romney of Utah said, quote, there hasn't been any allegation yet, any conduct, which reaches the constitutional standard for impeachment. 
And, and sir, Mitt Romney is a Republican as well, correct? Yes, sir. Now, let me turn to another topic here. Ms. O'Connor, here I have a poster of an entry from your professional LinkedIn account. There's your picture, and it says, Law Office of Eileen J. O'Connor. We printed here what you posted roughly one week ago. It says, quote, the Biden administration is promoting and enabling the invasion. That's what your post says, right? Yes, it does. And it further goes on to say, if this doesn't stop quickly, then the entire USA will be invaded with millions of military-aged men from many different countries who are ready to cause total havoc while getting paid 2200 a month in welfare to do so. Did I write that? You reposted it, and it says it is an engineered death spiral. Now, I let me show you another posting that you put up on your professional May LinkedIn account. May I it's, respond? If there is you can respond when I'm, done, when I'm done with my question. Ma'am, demolition can of you the United put States this of America. Ma'am, this is another posting from your professional LinkedIn account. Oh, my gosh, this the professional announcing Michigan Telethon to raise funds for 16 alternate electors who crooked Dana Nessel wants to jail. Now, ma'am, that's your professional LinkedIn account, right? It is. Now, let me turn to you, Mr. Turley. Professor Turley, in 2006, you wrote an op-ed in The Guardian entitled, quote, Stop Persecuting Polygamists. There, you liken polygamists to, quote, persecuted minorities, and you said polygamy is, quote, a practice with deep and good faith religious meaning. Isn't that what you said? I represented the sister wives uh, a, a family in challenging a, a polygamy prosecution. The answer is yes. You've been crusading for legalizing polygamy for years. In fact, in an op-ed in the USA Today, a constitutional you law said professor. that a Utah polygamist named Tom Green, who was also convicted of pedophilia for raping his 13-year-old stepdaughter, should not have been charged with polygamy. Now, Mr. Chairman, can we're counting... Can I respond? Because that's not entirely accurate. I actually criticized him. What I was dealing with was the constitutionality of what is called morals legislation. And I admit I'm pretty libertarian. Was Tom Green convicted of pedophilia and rape? Government you, you, can hear what, pedophilia you hear what Krishnamurthy is doing. The answer is yes. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, we're counting down the hours until a government shutdown. And here we have a hearing where one, we have one witness who defended a polygamist who was convicted of pedophilia and rape, and we have another witness uh, with, with LinkedIn accounts with extreme views posted. I think that, unfortunately, this speaks to the credibility of the witnesses and the credibility of this impeachment inquiry. I yield back. Point of order. Point of order right away. This is Andy Biggs. Uh, Chair recognizes Mr. Biggs. What's your point? Mr. Chairman, when uh, a member of the committee uh, impugns the integrity of a witness, is that uh, uh, against the rules to allow those, uh, those witnesses to respond to that uh, malicious statement? I'm quoting the argument. I, I, I'm, asking, I'm not asking you. I'm asking the chairman. I've yeah. asked for a ruling on that. Mr. Chairman, he can use his own time to question any witness he wants. I, I was recognized on a point of order. Do, point of order. What's your point? I, All right, I, I so mean, let's I stop it there because this is the way. Yeah, yeah we'll go ahead and stop it there, Bernie. So, like, this is the way this has been going. I'm sure you're completely shocked about that, right? You've got the attempts to get 
uh, evidence put up in front of the American people to convince us that there, I- there are enough questions to pursue this line of inquiry. And then you have Democrats who are like, there is nothing to see here, and you're a defender of child rapists if you want to. If you want to look, then you're just as bad as a child rapist. That's essentially where we are. <laughs> we are an unserious people. So the House Oversight Committee today starts its impeachment inquiry. Democrats are not interested in inquiring about any of this stuff. They would prefer that we just uh, hammer away the Republicans over the shutdown. The Trump shutdown, I think, is what it's being branded as, even though Trump is not in office. But whatever. Um, North Carolina congressman or congresswoman, I should say, Virginia Fox, is on the House Oversight Committee. I have not heard her line of questioning. Uh, we have it queued up. Let's take a listen. This is not a game. This is very serious business. And I think at the end, it will be proven to the American people that this is serious business. And we need to get on with it. And we need to have the other side to stop playing games. Ms. O'Connor, in a column published in the Wall Street Journal, you stated that the typical timidity of IRS criminal tax lawyers in recommending prosecution is, quote, common knowledge in the tax enforcement community, end quote. Can you explain where this timidity comes from? I don't know this source of it. Uh, Thank you for the question. Uh, But it is common knowledge in the tax enforcement community. The tax division is required to authorize any criminal tax charges that are going to be brought. In order to inform itself, uh, the, well, the special agent report uh, is provided to the tax division. Before it gets to the tax division, IRS criminal criminal tax attorneys review it. They, they are, uh, because, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble answering this, but... Uh, let, because, me give, let me give you some more guidance. Okay. So I, before I bringing charges, IRS criminal lawyers, as you're alluding to, provide advisory views in a special agent report. Is that correct? Right. And they, okay. are advise, they are advisory only. And the IRS, as any prosecutor is, is very determined to have a very high conviction rate. So they okay. want to be very, very careful that if they bring a case, they will win it. All right. So can you describe a typical special agent report and the special agent report specific to Hunter Biden's case. Certainly. The whistleblowers have testified that nearly a thousand pages were provided in the special agent report to the tax division. That special agent report consisted not only of a discussion of what they had discovered, but also every bit of evidence that they found that supported each element of each crime for each year for which they were recommending charges. Okay. Let me, let me follow up again, please. More than a year after DOJ's tax division received this report, the division created a 99-page memorandum supporting the recommended charges. Is that correct? I might be wrong about how long it took the tax division. I've seen other information suggesting it was a much shorter period of time. But but they did do that. I understand that the tax division did produce a 99-page memo authorizing all the charges the special agents had recommended. Thank you. So, Ms. O'Connor, you said DOJ's tax division recommended six felonies and five misdemeanors. Is that correct? That's correct. Hunter Biden was only initially charged with two counts of willful failure to pay 
federal income taxes as part of the plea deal. Is that correct? Right, for just two years. And, and these are misdemeanors? Right. Okay. But the maximum penalty for these charges is a fine of $25,000 as well as up to one year in federal prison. Is that correct? Or both. Or both. Yet, Hunter Biden owed more than $100,000 in both 2017 and 2018, correct? That's what the criminal information alleged. I think that's a ballpark figure. Okay. Based on the answers you just provided, it's extremely difficult to believe that an individual who is not the son of the sitting U.S. president would be treated this way. We're told the Department of Justice treats all citizens equally under the law. But based on the evidence this committee has presented, that is not what is ha- what happened in Delaware. Based on your experience, would you agree that that's not what happened in Delaware? Exactly. And it was particularly galling because just in the next store, uh, the next state in New Jersey, a mechanic was being sentenced to two years for having uh, not paid like $100,000 in taxes. So... In this case, there was not equal justice under the law being proposed. Absolutely it was not. To- totally unequal justice. That is not what this country stands for. We want everybody being treated the same under the law, and my colleagues should feel the same way. Thank All you, right, Mr. so that Chairman. is. Uh, I yield back. Yeah, that's uh, North Carolina Congressman, Congresswoman uh, Virginia Fox. Uh, I, I get the path that she's walking down. I understand it. It's showing that uh, Hunter Biden uh, w- enjoyed favoritism in, in treatment from DOJ officials. Um, but that's, that, that might be a separate issue. It may not be a separate issue, right, as to the, the money laundering aspect of this stuff, the, the influence peddling. To me, that's the more egregious thing. Yes, there's this other uh, parallel track about how DOJ pursued Hunter Biden and the sweetheart deal and all of that. I don't know if that necessarily all, all you know tracks all the way back to Joe Biden though.